Welcome to It's a Good Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your best one. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to It's a Good Life. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Jimmy Page. Now, let me just share with you the beauty of where I'm at in my life today. I have some extraordinary people in my life who come from all different walks, and whether they've been guests at our seminars, our podcasts, people I know through being on boards or whatever else. And I have some very special relationships. So when John Gordon and I, who've been besties for 10 years, and then Pat Lencioni, Mr. Leadership in today's marketplace, and they both say to me, oh, you've got to meet Jimmy Page. And then you've got to meet Jimmy Page. And I've been on this long enough when somebody who I really trust and say, you got to meet this guy. I make sure that I meet this guy. And uh, sure enough, myself, Jimmy, John Gordon, and Pat Lencioni have our own little special thing going on nowadays. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, we want to welcome you to the show. It's a real treat. Boy, you are really doing some special stuff. You are the founder of the Unstoppable Freedom Alliance. You're the host of the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. And for those of you who don't know Jimmy Page's story, he's a Spartan competitor. He's a wellness expert. He's a speaker, author of a number of great books. One I'm holding in my hands right now, we're going to talk about called One Word. He's got one on True Competitor, Wisdom Walks, Life Word, Call to Greatness, and then One Word for Kids, which I greatly appreciate it. And so we're going to dive into not all of what Jimmy has today. I hope you get to explore more of who Jimmy Page is, if he's new to you. But we're going to dive into this one word that will change your life. And in the world we live in today of overstatement and overpromise, this is actually understated and underpromise. And I really want to dive in there. And Jimmy, I want to welcome you to the show. And before we dive into one word, I'd love you to tell the folks uh, who you are and where you're from. Well, thanks, Brian. That's a great intro. I think near the top of the list, for me in that bio should have been friends with Brian Buffini. I mean, you have a profound <laughs> uh, positive effect on everyone around you. So super grateful for that. So I, I think a little bit about my history. I spent the first part of my career in wellness, in medical wellness, fitness, health and fitness, sports performance. You know, some of your listeners will remember this name. We had a partnership with Cal Ripken Jr., uh, Hall of Fame baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles. Now I'm a Yankee fan. So that wasn't, I wasn't starstruck, but he is a pretty amazing human being. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And then, and then the Iron Man. Oh, gosh, you know, never missed a game. I, I was always hoping he'd miss the games against the Yankees, but he never did. And, uh, but we've had a lot of fun with that. I've, I've had an opportunity to write a bunch of books with some great people, John Gordon, Dan Britton, and others. And uh, so that's been just a blast. Um, I love the, the speaking tour, you know, being able to, to speak into audiences and, make a positive difference in their lives. And as a man of God, you know, much of what I write and much of what I'm involved with uh, really kind of awakens the spirit, is more inspirational um, and practical. What can you do with that? I've worked for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So that part of the journey was really special uh, for the last 17 years, actually, where we reach coaches and athletes with the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, um, and give them, uh, you know, a greater target than just wins and losses that life is about more than just the scoreboard, and it really is about living the good life, you know, uh, and that's why I love the I love this podcast that you've done and this remake, because I think it's so important today. Yes, sir. So that's a little more about me and just stepped into this freedom, the fight for freedom, and uh, so we're having some fun. Yeah, excited, and we're going to dive into that today, because there's a lot of people share those same concerns and optimism and desire to see 
mm. more and more freedom in the marketplace and in our society. I want to dive into, you know, some real stuff that I think is going to help people right away. You know, as you can imagine, we have a pretty big platform here. We have hundreds of thousands of listeners every month. And so everybody with a book is contacting our show. And I could do probably five to six to 700 interviews a year with someone who, here's my book and here's what I have and so on and so forth. And one of the standards for me is, uh, A, it's got to really serve the audience. B, it's got to be timely. And C, it's got to be somebody who's been there and done that. I just can't have the person who was on The Apprentice on Tuesday write their business book on Friday, which as you well know, mm-hmm. is kind of the way the society works today. Yeah. And it's for me, it's got to be you've lived it. And you've gone through the highs and lows. Because as we talk yes. about the good life, you know, inside the infinite love of God, there's a place for suffering. And it's when people just hear, oh, and then I made another million. And then, then my supermodel walked into my life. And then everything's perfect. And, you know, and I've never put on a pound in 35 years. And, and that's yeah. what's portrayed. Yes. And it's all BS. It's not the real deal. You know, they say, never trust a man who doesn't have scars. I want people who've been there, done that. One lost, learned from the losses, and still kept going. And this one word, it's a super cool book. In today's world, it's, uh, you know, what we call the one-day read. Even though you can marinate on it over and over again, it's cool, it's small, it's cool-looking. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see this is a book you can get your head around. It's not War and Peace, (laughs) but it is, it has heft to it. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to go through this and uh, where were you and when were you first introduced to the one word concept? Well, gosh, now it's been 23 years ago, Brian. So you talk about you talk about journeying with an idea and with something that actually does get into your DNA. This has been it. Back in 1999, uh, Dan Britton and I, one of the co-authors, we were uh, accountability friends, actually. Tell folks who Dan Britton is. He's a brilliant guy. Dan Britton is one of the executive leaders for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, one of the best leaders I've ever been around. Uh, man of God, family man, and uh, he has a positive influence on everybody that he touches. He is a guy. And FCA, for those yeah. who don't know, it's a giant organization. Like, oh. how many people are in FCA altogether? Yeah, so the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is now over 2,000 staff around the country, and we're we're dealing with coaches and athletes at the Olymp- from the Olympic level all the way down to middle school and even younger now with club programs. How many people would you say are participating in programs like athletes? How many would you say? Oh, I probably 10 million. You know, 10 million people a year are impacted. And that doesn't even count the parents and the families that come along, you know, so. Sure. It's, a, it's magnificent. It it's is. magnificent. I just wanted to give people a little context there. Yeah. Because there's so many rich things that exist that are positive yes. in society and in our culture and in our country. Because no one's running a story on FCA on the nightly news tonight. Yeah. And yet here's 10 million coaches and kids. That's right. Hearing about, hey, there's more to this than just winning. Yeah. Your identity's not caught up yeah. in this. And, uh, you know, you, you've been a part of that for 17 years and doing a yeah. great job. But I know it's a little tangent. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like 10 million. Oh, my oh. goodness. It's like yeah. it gives people great hope to know that there's great stuff being done. It does. It really does. And it was the it was actually the ministry that changed my life when I when I kind of gave up. Uh, I was kind of a religious person, which for me got to be very heavy because I was always trying to be good enough to earn God's favor. And then there were there were a bunch of friends around me that that showed me that life in Christ was actually a life of freedom. It was a life of relationship where those burdens, you didn't have to drag those burdens around with you. Know, with you. So that was just a real breakthrough. And FCA was the, the platform that God used to really grow leadership in me and grow character. So it's been a great, great ride for a long, long time. So 
back in back in 1999, he and I connected as very close friends through FCA. Actually, started accountability with two other guys. We had four in this group. Every Friday morning, 6 a.m., we would get together. We would pour through scripture, and it was all about this idea of if we were to live the greatest possible life that we could live. Uh, if we could become the type of person that that would honor God and would be a real blessing to others, you know, we kind of have this fundamental idea that you you need to leave it better than you found it. And so we decided we would encourage each other, we would spur each other on towards that best possible life in every aspect, whether it was our relationships, our marriages, eventually having kids and being dads. And uh, but at the time we were struggling, we we were actually having a tremendous amount of. Uh, false starts and failure, if you will, because we we would build these gigantic lists at the beginning of the year, our New Year's resolutions. And we did it every year. And what we discovered was it, w- it wasn't working. And a lot of times, actually, we forgot about it. So a friend actually introduced us to this idea, hey, you ought to just focus your entire life through one single word for the year. And we believe it will bring tremendous life change in all aspects of your life. So being athletes and wanting a simple solution that w- that might be powerful, I scrapped the New Year's resolutions mm. right away. I mean, I mm-hmm. was done. I'm like, this isn't working anyway. <laughs> so we scrapped it and we picked the one word for the year. And I remember that first year uh, for the year 2000, actually, for me was simplify. And I knew that there were a lot of great things in my life, a lot of things that that I enjoyed, but the the uh, the volume of things in my life was preventing me from experiencing that great experience in the things that mattered most. So I was, you know, I would say a mile wide and an inch deep and I knew it. And by simplifying, I I had to say no to a lot of things in order for my yes to have value, you know? So I started saying no to a bunch of things. I started simplifying to the point where I would even clean out my closet just to simplify the, the clutter. For sure. But that became it, the theme, right? That's the theme. Yeah. That becomes the focus. It, yes. it translates into everything. I'm, I'm going to simplify my oh. desk. I'm going to simplify my day. I'm going to simplify yeah. my relationships. I'm going to simplify yeah. my business. I'm going to simplify my finances. Yes. Every single aspect of life got simpler. And the, what I experienced in that first year, and by the way, we were rookies at this. You know, this was a brand new idea. So we were just trying to figure it out. But what we discovered was we were really encouraging each other on a weekly basis. Hey, how is that word working its way through your life? Are your finances simpler uh, or are they more complex? And then, then we had to start taking action in each of those areas to get to the, the value of the word, if you will. And it was a profoundly positive year, uh, you know, and things got a lot simpler. And then what we've discovered since then, of course, is that that word in its in its fullest sense of living it out is meant to become part of you. So the whole one word journey for us has now be, been an exercise in becoming, not doing. And I think we, we constantly focus on the things that we want to get done and far less on who we want to become. So this concept has really started to revolutionize life change within us so that we can become the type of person that we really want to be. That's beautiful. I, I had a good friend the other day who's... Uh... He's in the last days of life, a brilliant guy. He's, he was a mentor to my brother, Dermot. And he said, uh, I didn't ask him, but he just kind of offered some advice, right? He knows he's in the last days of his being. He's, he's lived a great life. And he just said, Brian, the key is to be a great human being and not get yes. caught up in human doing. You got to do, but you got to be. And, and I just think in our world today, we get so caught up in doing 
you can do, do, do for your kids. I'm driving them to this game and I'm driving them to that activity and I'm driving them to that class and you can forget to be yes. with them. You know, for our own sake, we're, we're doing this and we're doing that. We watch this and we watch that, but we can forget to be. So yeah. again, another very, very powerful concept there. Mm-hmm. Well, I know for us, you know, this, uh, the whole idea of becoming somebody better than you were yesterday or has been transformational, right? And what I do always flows out of who I am. So my character is going to show up in what I do. So it, it's almost like you, you're focusing on the root of the tree rather than the fruit. The fruit is you know, a result of that investment, that deep investment into who you are as a person, your character, your work ethic, the values that you have, you know, how you treat other people. When you invest in that, when you invest in that root, uh, it produces great fruit. You, you almost can't stop the great fruit from coming because it, it flows out of a life well lived. Yeah, and also the roots don't necessarily get caught up in whatever's going on in the day or what's going on in the market, or what the interest rates are doing, or what the latest fad is, you know, and the goal is that the roots run deep. And obviously what we know today, right, a lot of people, faith, family, freedoms, those are all getting challenged, and the very roots are being shorted out. And I think that's one of the things, it's probably the reason why so many people are listening to podcasts and are you know, I, I, you know, we were talking off air, and I was saying we had 100 young adults from college over at our house for the ball games uh, last weekend. And it was interesting to listen where they're getting a lot of their stuff from. And, you know, a lot of it was because they're missing mm. those traditional mentorship roles, whether it be a parent that's missing or just checked out or yes. teachers and coaches that used to fill that role, which is obviously what FCA is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And now they're searching online yeah. and looking for podcasts to try to get some of these principles and some of these values to go that they can put down some roots and actually have something to hold on to. And that's why I think what you're doing with It's a Good Life is so important because you're bringing, you're bringing things that someone could build a life on, that they could build a great life on. And, you know, in your case, a good life, you know, and I think if we talked about founding documents, that we all have these unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of a good life. Um, I just, I love that. I'm, I'm going to actually change that. I might have to <laughs> trademark that. <laughs> I'll, I'll rent it from you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, okay, done. But what I love about it is, and I think that's the simplicity of this one word idea, is that it, the world is full of complexity. It's, con- it's actually full of distraction, and our life will naturally tend to go towards complexity. Um, you have to battle. You have to fight for simplicity. You have to fight to narrow the focus with all the distraction, you know, everything coming to your phone, it's coming into your, your ears, you, you can't almost stop this stuff. One word cuts through all that clutter and allows you to, to create the focus you need to, to drive impact and life change. And I'm going to get into my one word after I read the book. And, and I just, I love when there's a profound truth with a simple technique that's adoptable right away. How do you go about choosing the word? So, okay, in, in the earliest days, we didn't have a process, right? We just picked a word. And I, I remember the first, word, the first year or two, it was just like, hey, what, what word feels good? And that's okay. But what we've discovered is when, when John Gordon entered the mix, which was probably about 15 years ago, and we developed that relationship, the, the power of what John Gordon does in all of his writing and in his life, he's true all the way through, by the way, as you know, is he creates simple, powerful concepts. 
So we introduced him to this idea of one word, and he immediately saw the power of it. I mean, he's like, boy. I can picture that conversation and how jazzed he got right away. Oh, yeah. That might have been on a Tuesday and Wednesday he had a a speaking gig and he pitched it. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and Friday, he had an outline for a book. <laughs> yeah, like done. And uh, oh, he is just genius with his stuff. Yeah. He's, he's such a pleasure to have in life because he is yeah. he is a positive leadership guy. Yeah. Um, so we introduced him to it, and he literally started to to in, incorporate it into his speaking engagements. And he said to us over month month after month after month, "This is the single most impactful concept that people talk about following my talks." So we then, of course, seizing that opportunity, said, John, you're the greatest advocate of this. You've taken it on personally. You've experienced the life change, not only yourself, but also in your family and with your kids. Let's let's put this in a book form. And that's where the process came from, right? So if Dan and I were left to our devices, this would have probably been a more complicated book than it ended up being. We would send John 10 pages of, of content, and it would come back as a page and a half. And and, and we I, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth and you know and in the end though we drove to this simple process of looking in, looking up, and looking out. Oh, wonderful! Let's talk. It can't be easier than this, right? So I'll let me unpack the three real quick. So looking in is all about unplugging from the noise of life, finding a quiet location where you can be contemplative again where you're not waking up, checking your email, where you instead you carve out some time and you ask three simple questions. Uh, you know, what, what do I need most? What's in the way? And what's got to go? And that begins this process of discovery. It's a discovery process saying, hey, what, what in me, if I could change it, if I could focus on one sim- simple word for the year, would bring the greatest positive life change to my life? What do I need most? And boy, I'll tell you, when you start doing that, first of all, most people don't do this, right? They don't slow down enough to actually be contemplative and consider this. But when you do and you journal uh, what comes of that, you narrow the field a bit with the words that you're going to use. And then the second phase is to look up, you know, and as it, we're all men of faith and we're, we're all believers. And uh, so for us, it becomes a very spiritual exercise. But what we've discovered is as we've launched this with some of the largest companies in the world, with the largest school districts in the world, with families and teams and sports teams and all of that, is that regardless of where your faith perspective comes from, uh, there is an intuition in most people where you know what is your highest calling. And what we're asking people to do is to look up. If you're a praying person or you're a person of faith, it's to ask God, the one who created you, what his plans are for you. And it's to say, if there was one single word we could focus on this year that would have the greatest positive impact on others, what would that word be? And then that starts a whole nother conversation. And then in the end, that discovery phase is when you kind of merge all of those questions and and select a word for the year. That's the second step. And then the third step is to live it out. You know, it's like once you discover that word, let's say, you know, and, and I've got 23 years of this now. I can look back on chapters in my life and and I can tell you exact uh, moments. I can tell you memories. I can tell you things I've learned in those years uh, and, and ways that I've become a better person and the ways that I've had a positive influence on others. It's all about living it out, keeping it front and center. And one of the things we do, Brian, and you talk a lot about this on the show, is is having that inner circle of friends that that 
believe in you and want the best for you. And, and we don't play a game of gotcha, like where are you failing? But instead, we keep your eyes on the vision that you have for your life and how life changed through that word might have a positive effect on it. And how you have to let people know. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, like there's a trail yeah. of tears. I've sat on a lot of boards and I've watched some very, very powerful people, usually men, by the way, because women are more natural to seek out a connection. But we've yeah. all met the leader that was so powerful and so influential or created fear or apprehension in conversation that they ended up mm. being isolated and alone and ruined. And we all need yeah. that gentle accountability. And it has to be done. And if you, you have to share it with people and they can't use it as a cudgel. You know, okay, yeah. oh, I thought you were losing weight this year. You know, huh? Put, put the cookie down, you know, and, and right. And so, but you do need that voice and um, you need, you need to be, I, I'm, I, it's kind of cool. You know, uh, uh, I had an interaction with my youngest son, Adam, the other day, and he's like, Hey dad. And he came to me about something I was doing unconsciously. And he goes, Hey, I just think that would be the next level if you didn't do that. And it was like, and I just, and you know, I, I like thanked him, appreciated. And I, I wrote him a note afterwards. And I just told him how wow. proud I am of him as a man, as my son, and how thankful mm. I am that he's watching my back like that. Mm. And, you know, your, your shirt's sticking out, Dad. Hey, tuck yes. your shirt in. You know, it's a great thing. And I think so yes. looking in, beautiful for me. That's the contemplation <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. yeah, There's two different beaches here in Del Mar that I go and I do three miles. And for whatever reason, for me, a hard sanded beach on a quick walk and listening to the ocean is where I get my bell mm. rung. And I, I'm able to go in, and I'm able to go up, oftentimes at the same time, you know, throughout the... And that's a, that's a regular for me, yes. because at the speed of my life and so on and so forth, I have to do that all the time. Yeah. Because at the speed of your life, my life, I will make big mistakes and take yeah. them a long way, you know? And then the chance yeah. to live it out. And so I would love this. This is kind of... Give me some of your... You have 23 mm. years of this. Give me some of your favorite words, some of the words that have really like, wow, that, that was a word that, that gave me focus for a year that really moved the dials, that really made a difference. Okay. So we've also done this with our kids and our families as well. So I'm going to start with a word that my wife used um, just to illustrate the impact of this in a little different way. But back in 2008, she was diagnosed with four-stage colon cancer. Uh, and actually, she was 37 years old. Her dad, many, many years before, at the same age of 37, was diagnosed with that cancer and was dead two years later. So when she got this diagnosis in 2008... It, and how old are your kids at this time? Yeah. At the, oh, they're all young. They're all under 10. They're all mm -hmm. under 10. So it was, a, it was a pretty challenging time. We have four kids. And so I remember the, the fear coming in. I remember a whole bunch of things happening, a lot of emotion, You know, wondering if her path was going to be the same path as her dad's. And we decided, you know, that we would um, we would overcome this in some way. And uh, heading into, she had two surgeries, both successful. Heading into the year two thousand nine, we we got a lot of bad news. Uh, every time we went to Hopkins, the doctors would evaluate her status, and we got a lot of bad news for many many weeks. So it got to the point where every time we went in, it was just like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. I actually had a meeting with a couple of doctors. My wife didn't know about this till I told the story, and I just said, hey, listen, the next time we come in. If you could lead with some hope, if you could lead with some good news, 
Uh, we, I would personally appreciate it, and it might give us some momentum to get out of this. So 2009, she selected the word believe. And she actually used that word. So believe was that um, we believe that nothing is impossible for those who believe. We believe that nothing is impossible for God. And no matter how dark the circumstances were at the moment, we were going to believe and trust that things were going to get better and that she would get well. And she also used that word. And by the way, things don't always get better, right? Right. Things don't right. always go the way you want. That's why I say it's a good life, yeah. not a great life, yeah. not an awesome life. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And there's suffering and challenges, and it's part of the human condition. But it's part of what makes the, the, the highs so good, you know, the things that you value. But So she picked that word. And as we selected her medical team, we interviewed all of these folks who were just geniuses in their field. And we asked them one question. We always ended with one question. Do you believe that, that she can be well? And I'll tell you this, 90% of the, the doctors actually said no. And we put together the team based upon the ones that said, yes, I believe that you can be well. And that ended up being prophetic. So she walked through that year of belief, through ups and downs and good days and bad days. And now we stand, you know, uh, 13 years later, she's completely cancer free and healed. And it's an amazing story, but it, it changed everything about her mindset, about what she did with her body. Uh, about how she took care of her health and even relationships, just the, the the healing in that. Wow. I wasn't expecting that one, Jimmy. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's one of the reasons why, right? Little snow on the roof. Yeah. A few crows at the eyes. Yeah. You know, I think people need to do a better job listening to this show today or any show. Tell me what you've done. Tell me where you've been. Don't just be a yapper. Okay. Yeah. You've got to have some experience. You have to have been there and done that and speak from experience. Otherwise, you're just speaking in concept form. I mean, what else is there? When you're looking down the barrel at a young age Mm -hmm. with four young kids, and it could have gone the other way, but you made the choice. And this word becomes the prism. It's like like the glasses you wear. So obviously, you're interviewing these brilliant people. Well, normally, what's the tendency? I'm going to defer. This person's a brilliant doctor. They're at Johns Hopkins. They're at this fantastic institution. Therefore, I'm going to abdicate my own mind and they're going to tell me what to do, as opposed to, do you believe my bride can get well? Do you believe that she can be healed? And if the answer is no, why in the heck do I have someone on the team who doesn't believe? Exactly. Right? I think that Zig Ziglar's talked about the kamikaze pilot on his 27th mission. There's not a lot of commitment there. <laughs> exactly. And so you put together those that believed, and away you went. And how profound. And I, what a great example of the one word, of the glasses that you wear, and how you view everything. I'll share, I'll share another word, but I'll tell you the rest of the story. So a lot of times, a lot of times people will ask us, Hey, is this a selfish pursuit? You know, is this really just about you wanting to be great or you wanting to be better? And and we always say, well, again, a life well lived is a life lived for others. So out of that year uh, of believe, she started a nonprofit cancer foundation called believe big. (laughs) So now we've got 12, 13 years of history with BelieveBig.org, which is just a tremendous organization, which helps patients and their families find their, their pathway to healing. And that healing, by the way, is in all dimensions of life, spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, you name it, mental. Because what she discovered in her journey was that that healing needed to happen in multiple dimensions. It wasn't just heal my body. There were spiritual roots. There were mental challenges, uh, mindsets that she might have had, negativity 
that all had to get rooted out so that she could experience healing. So out of this challenge, this focus, assembling this team of people that believed that she could be well, comes this organization now that literally has helped tens and tens and tens of thousands of people find their pathway to healing through cancer. So Isn't that just it, right? I mean, that mic drop, right? Isn't that just it? Yeah. And, you know, because you go through it to go do it. We go through these terrible things in life, and if you keep your head up and you don't let it crush you, and I think it helps, obviously, for you and I, we, we're able to look in, but, I mean, you know, for me, I, and I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody in any way, but I just don't know how the heck I would do life if I didn't have somewhere to go other than me. And to be oh. able to have a faith where you just go, God, you know, and I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. And I yes. wouldn't do it this way, but I don't own the planet. And I'm just going to trust you. And though you slay me, will I trust you? And I'm just going to keep yes. my hope in that. I'm going to keep my trust in that. And I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You persevere through, you come out the other side. And it seems to be when we go through these cauldrons, we have our heart broken and then our heart expanded. We're then of more service. We're able to help more people. We're able to yes. be of more value. And uh, what a great example of that with BelieveBig.org. Yeah. And for me, it's always, it's changed the way I look at adversity, you know, now, and, you know, and we're, I've got a bunch of friends that are uh, retired Navy SEALs too. And they'll, they'll tell you, they have a lot of great approaches uh, to life. But one of the things that I've learned is to see adversity as, uh, as something that can be turned into an advantage, you know? So in my head, when adversity comes, I'm like, well, how can I turn that adversity into an advantage? Not necessarily just for myself, but could I turn it into an advantage for others? And could I see that obstacle in a different way? And, uh, you know, I've had a number of words over the year that have, that have helped me do that. And, uh, you know, I remember back in 2015, the word detox, and I got a lot of flack for that. <laughs> you know, people are like, well, what exactly is going on? You know, are you, are you not telling us something? But uh, for me, what, you know, why you pick a word is as important as picking a word, right? It's this positive expectation about life change. So, and that's the beauty of one word. It creates this positive expectation that life is going to get better, that there's going to be some profound things you're going to learn throughout the year that are going to uh, have a, a dramatic positive effect on your life, even if that means there's going to be struggle, even if that means there's going to be suffering. And almost always there is. For me, that word detox uh, was really about my mental game at the time, actually, was rooting out some of this negativity and toxic thinking and discouragement and defeat, and instead being able to overcome that, ignore the noise, detox from that garbage, shut off the news source, so to speak, and then uh, replace that with words of life and hope and possibility. And that's exactly what happened. I, I detoxed in every dimension and became much, much healthier because of it. So, you know, one of the things about transformation, and we're, you know, I, I, I told this audience the other day, you know, I'm in the coaching business because change is hard. It's hard. You know, I have someone to help me in every area yeah. of my life, you know, spiritually, in my family, in my business, in my finances. I have a personal trainer who comes to my home gym four days a week in my house. And I'm pretty sure if he didn't show up four days a week, I'd be there one, yeah. you know, and I have help in all of these different areas. But, you know, yeah. as you go through these things, one of the things I found is a technique that tends to help is you've got to stop something and start something. You can't just stop. I'm going to stop smoking. That's not enough. Very hard for the subconscious mind to reinforce a negative. So, okay, I'm going to stop 
In your case, I'm going to detox from news. Exactly. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of people could use this word right about now, right? Because it's been so toxic. We've been staying at home. We've been under duress. We've had this unusual environment with COVID. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to start this, right? I want to stop smoking and start walking three miles a day. I'm going to stop drinking soda. I want to start drinking water. You know, it's, you got to eliminate and initiate, right? You, you stop then the bad introduce the good. And when you stop the bad and introduce the good at the same time, that's how you make leaps. You know, it's like 10% here, down, 10% up here, good. And together it can be a 50% transformation or a 100% transformation. Yeah. One of the things I've discovered with that too, is that um, if you don't, if you don't replace the negative habit with something positive, with taking steps towards your preferred future, you know, we always, we always talk about having a vision for your life, creating that vision. I think it's one of the things that one word has helped me to do is create a positive vision for my life about what kind of man do I want to be and what kind of difference do I want to make. So when you have that, but you you have to replace the things that you stop with things that are productive. You know, the the unproductive, counterproductive, destructive stuff that you remove, if you replace it with something productive, that's when you get that magnified life change. Give me another word. Give me another word that stands out for you in your 23-year one-word journey here. Well. There's so many, right? But I'll, I'll I'll give you the most recent one. Well, I'll give you last year's and this year's. How's that? Last year, okay. Last year, my word was freedom. Yes, sir. And which has become a a rallying cry of of sorts in my life. Uh, one of the things that I discovered, thanks to my dad's research, uh, is that I'm an eighth generation descendant of the son of the American Revolution. So I have a descendant eight generations ago that actually took up arms in the American Revolution. So I didn't know that. I've been a patriotic person my whole life. Uh, my dad instilled the love of America, the love of the idea and the ideals of America more than anything, and the potential of America, the promise. So I've always loved it. And freedom was my word. I, I didn't actually want the word. I wanted something cooler, something like fearless <laughs> or something. You know, I'm like, ah, isn't there a better word? <laughs> and so anyway, God just kept impressing it in front of me, and I finally selected that. And then last year became, you know, in what ways am I, uh, am I not free? In what ways am I not free mentally? Am I, am I, what about emotionally? Am I weighed down by the regrets of the past or am I anxious about the future and worried about the future? Or am I truly free emotionally to be present with the most important relationship? So I, I, I got confronted a lot with bondages in my life, you know, whether it was mental or emotional or relational. Uh, even spiritually speaking, you know, what does it look like to be spiritually free, to uh, live your life in such a way that you please God rather than worrying about what everybody else thinks about it? Boy, that alone for me last year was like, that was worth the the, the cost of the word, you know? And then in the end, um, you know, I, I ended up changing careers. You know, I had a great run with FCA. Right. That word impacted everything, everything for you. And I watched it happen in yes. front of my eyes on Zoom calls yes. with the guys and it's a very, very powerful word. I mean, uh, that yeah. word whispered in oppressed environments has led to the wildfire of transformational change for whole countries. Yes. It's a very, very powerful word. It is. And it, and it comes with it. I think one of the things I love about freedom is it, with it comes responsibility, right? You can't have unbridled or unchecked freedom. Instead, you have responsibility with that freedom to, uh, you know, to live your best life. And at the same time, to make the po the greatest positive uh, benefit on others. 
Well, Jimmy, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do this today, which is we're going to turn today's episodes into a two-part episode. And the reason being is I want to share with the folks my adaptation of the one word. And I'm already experiencing a change in my life at a very profound level with the word that I picked for the year and how I'm using it and the way it's already affected me. So we're going to continue on this with a second episode. We want to respect the fact that we've made a commitment to keep our episodes tight and short for people's commute, for people's day, for people's viewing on YouTube. And so we're going to do that. So uh, I'm going to end this episode here and then everybody can tune in to part two where they can hear exactly how I'm applying this one word, exactly where it manifests. Jimmy, you can tell a little bit about how the one word for last year has ultimately changed your whole life and changed your career. And then we'll finish up a little bit on uh, what Jimmy Page's idea of the good life is. So thanks for joining me today. I'm going to throw this over uh, to my mom, Therese. Her one word for me for years was multiple words. You can do it, Briny. But she has a great word for you today with her little Irish blessing. So take it away, ma'am. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.